You are listening to the Quarter Transmissions. Or leave episode 21. Just what the doctor ordered. Right, doctor? I couldn't have prescribed better. You have once again beamed aboard for another episode of Shore Leave, your Star Trek convention community podcast. I am Jeff Hewlett, and at the time of this recording, we are about three months or so away from the 2017 Star Trek Las Vegas convention. And here with me is someone who has been counting down those days and weeks even more anxiously than I have, and that would be my spectacular co-host, Miss Heather Barker. Yes, it's actually 99 days. Oh, so just a smidge over three months. I'm wrong. It's 98 because I forgot it's Tuesday and not Monday. So it's even closer. Wow. That is very getting very, very close. I know we're all getting very excited about that. And um, as this is our 21st episode, and as we always do here on Shore Leave, as STLV starts to loom ever closer, we begin to bring on some guests who will be hosting events or uh, have tables in the vendor's room in Las Vegas. And here tonight on this episode is someone who will be doing both of those things. Uh, he should be familiar to all of you out there in listener land. He is author, editor, interviewer, producer, and many, many other things. Dr. Trek himself, Mr. Larry Nemechek. Welcome back for your third appearance on Shorely. Wow. Three. Thank you, guys. I, Heather, when you, were tri- when you were trickling off those numbers, I kept wanting to say, now, how do you know that so exactly? <laughs> technology. Technology. Yeah. Thanks, I don't Star see Trek. no points on your ears, girl. <laughs> yeah. It's funny you asked that, Larry, because we had, actually had a question. I think it was early this morning on the, on the unofficial Facebook group. Someone was asking uh, for a, an app, a smartphone app that would help you count down the days until mm-hmm. on a certain event. So uh, there's, if you go over to the Facebook group, if you're looking for an app like that yourself, head over to that unofficial Facebook group. There's a, there's a thread there with a couple of links in it. So uh, some really good stuff out there to help you count down the days to SDOV, just like we're all doing. Uh, we could call it T minus. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So before we jump into our discussion here with Larry about his upcoming Geek Nation tour and, and other things, uh, we have some business that we have to conduct. We have promised that we're going to announce the winner of our $20 Shop LLAP gift card here on the show tonight. And we have the list of people who submitted their iTunes reviews ready to go. And I've got all the names in a uh, an Excel spreadsheet here with a random sort filter on them. So all I need, Heather, for you to do is to pick, are we going to go with the highest number or the lowest number as the winner? Uh, let's go for the highest number. Okay, and here we go. I'm pressing the magic randomizer button, and the highest number is... Oh, it's Yazenia. <laughs> So Yesenia Hernandez, yes, you have won the $20 Shop LLAP gift card. So congratulations. Thank you for leaving your iTunes review. And thank you to everyone else who left one as well. Very kind of you all. Uh, We loved hearing back from everybody. So uh, we'll probably be doing another one of these contests again in the very near future, I think. Yeah. Yeah. So keep your eyes and ears peeled 
for that. And Yesenia, we will get in touch with you uh, after this episode goes live to uh, to coordinate the mailing or uh, emailing of that gift card to you. So congratulations. Yay. All right. So Larry awesome. is here tonight. Uh, primarily to talk about his upcoming Geek Nation tour, the Captain Kirk Memorial Valley of Fire one-day tour that is departing on August 1st, 2017 from the Rio Hotel itself. So the day before the convention starts. Larry, you want to give us some details about that? Uh, yes, and and thanks again. And I don't want to give anybody a heart attack. We we have the big, you know, Terrace Cassidy's Geek Nation Tours company does all kinds of geek niche tours they do history they do military they do cons they go to gen con and comic cons and all that but he uh three times now we've done every other year we've done the big week before the vegas tour film site tour in la and in and then last time for the 50th we added some sites in san francisco and when we don't have the big tour which works out to be the odd numbered years like this year we do a one-day um, tour from people who are just coming into Vegas. They get there a day early. We get out nice and early because it is August and it is the <laughs> desert <laughs> and go out to the Valley of Fire State Park where they shot all the scenes of uh, from Generations. I call it the Kirk Memorial Tour because it's where he, <laughs> where Kirk died, you know. So uh, it's kind of the handy. I mean, the first time we did the big tour, we thought about that. And I said, but it's the other side of Vegas and we're starting from L.A. And then after one year, we went, well, that's dumb. We just it's an hour. We just get up and go there and come back. So we save it for the last day. So since then, we've done it. We've either done it as the last day of the big tour or and people can jump in standalone or we do it as a standalone, just a one day. But either way, you can get a t people can get a taste of what um touring with Terrace and me is like <laughs> but it's what's amazing out there is that we every time we've gone the locals keep coming up with something new trekish that we didn't that's not like in the guidebooks or that nobody knew about so we have the official stuff and then we have these wacky star trek you know like oh that's kind of shaped like a odo head kind of <laughs> 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 uh, okay. The, the natural the natural history people are going to hate us because we're going to overtake everything. You know, eventually it won't be the it won't be. Oh, that doesn't look like a a, a roadrunner. That looks like a <laughs> something crackish. That's the way it has to be. Yeah. So, are there any any trek related guests that will be coming along on this tour that that people might want to know about? Well, we you know since since it's the Valley of Fire and it's primarily this trip is is partly primary on paper anyway it's primarily focused on generations which is that's where they shot all the uh, the Viridian three scenes mm -hmm. um, and you know the, the only cast that was out there was Shatner and Patrick and uh, and Malcolm McDowell and a very small crew and uh, one person who's always promised to go with us and then never has been able to because of his show commitments now is Michael Westmore. Uh, you know, cool. he did it. And he has he has some great stories from then, some of which he's told or some he's shared with me and I've shared. But um, every year we intend to and every year face off, you know, on sci fi yeah. after the first couple of years, he's been like a regular with it, with McKenzie. Uh, they for some reason and they, you know, we've threatened a lawsuit. No, um, <laughs> they filmed their finale for their half seasons, you know. That week, like that's why he's never at Vegas at, at STLV until Friday. Yeah. You know, he rolls in. They they leave after filming Friday night. He and Marion, wow. and they get there for Saturday. He never does anything at Vegas until it's Saturday. So far, 
every year we say we hope he'll be with us. Oh. And he's agreed to if the schedule happens to, you know, I keep hoping there'll be a lapse some year where things will shift a week or something. But yeah. So, no, normally it's like with the big tour. I, I have a lot of material from the shoot. We have a lot of uh, forensic stuff from from that whole the way it was set up because it was a huge, a huge thing out there. It was in the heat and they built all these bridges and ladders and all this metal work. And we can recreate that pretty well. What's fun is that. We knew we found out the first time we went, we found out uh, like a month before that there was another Star Trek interest uh, place out there. And if you go to the like Facebook page for Geek Nation or the 50th anniversary tour, you can see one of the bridges that they used, one of the killer bridges, <laughs> not that bridge, but the other kind of bridge <laughs> yeah. um, that they used. The, they, they didn't bang it up. They didn't want to haul it back to L.A. and they basically donated it to the park. Oh. And they took it, and they've used it. And so now one of the bridges built for the Generations uh, filming is uh, spanning a dry creek. And so we always go over there and take pictures of the killer bridge, and some people cosplay, you know, Soran and <laughs> and and Kirk and all that. And we have fun over there, too. So it's almost like it's a bonus. And then I swear to God, every time we go, they keep coming. Oh, have you seen Have you seen Enterprise Rock? I'm like, what? <laughs> Have you seen? Well, last time we were looking at Enterprise Rock, and and I decided we found a voice. We found a Voyager Rock, and um, anyway, I still think I've I've talked about it. I found Odo's head real near Voyager Rock. So, who knows what will happen this year? But in one year, the the guys that were there, we were looking for. There's a scene in Generations where Picard climbs through that little hole in the rock. You know, when he's trying yeah. to get around the field, and we one of the local guides that's in the company we use said. Uh, you know that scene where you know, he says that we know where that was. It's not the same place, but I can take you right to it. And we're like, okay. <laughs> so an hour of a boondoggle later, <laughs> you know, wild, wild bull chase or something. So we started kidding about, well, we're looking for Picard's hole. We're looking for Picard's hole, which you know, kind of descended from there. But um, so you never know what's going to happen. So that's that's why it's fun. But this is just the short one day. I say that it's it's like. Um, we leave at seven and get back at two. So that's like okay. seven hours. Yeah. You know? But we leave early because again, it's August and it's, yeah, it's really hot Vegas. Yeah. But you're back, you're back in time for your fun Tuesday night. You to recover and get out for Tuesday night for, for calling. Yeah. 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 Nothing really. Yeah. Everything happens, I guess, Tuesday night. Now I think that for gold, I think the earliest registration well, last year they open it earlier. Like normally I think it's like five. And then I feel like last year they did the registration somewhere midday. Um, but yeah, so I think yeah. you, you'll be back like right in time that you can take a shower and because <laughs> you'll probably want one. <laughs> <laughs> and then go hop in line if you're your gold or your captain's chair. So, yeah, perfect timing. Right. Right. Yeah, it's it's why it's uh, worked out that way really well. And the other thing is, uh, when we're out there, the park has a natural history museum, so mm -hmm. we kind of we've kind of gotten it. And you have a lunch provided when you're doing the the prize. So we've kind of gotten a good thing down when we go out and go early, mm -hmm. and then we come back and we do as we're crisscrossing the park. Then we go in and do the nature center and kind of recuperate there, and people can soak up a little non non trek if they'd like to because there's prehistoric animals and there's natural history from some of the uh, early tribes that were here and that were there and the rocks are amazing and beautiful yeah and so we cool off and then we make another dip out and then we come back i mean then we go on then we there's a picnic shelter that we usually have lunch at so you know we we have it pretty well we haven't lost anybody yet 
<laughs> so is it like is it pretty easy walking or is it more like hiking? Oh no no it's it's easy walking yeah okay okay yeah so, there's never more than a few hundred a, a, a couple of hundred yard okay perfect. the uh, the wackiest the hardest walk isn't even and there's no uphill okay um and it's fairly even I mean the yeah it's all fairly even ground the one that's we got into a little bit that's but it's still nothing is. Uh, it's like loose sand when we okay. when we stop and we go look at Enterprise Rock and now yeah. Voyager Rock and Odo Rock. Um, <laughs> uh, the the there's like a trail for a while and then it just goes to sand. So it's like you know eight inches of sand that you're walking yeah. in for yeah. for you know fifty yards or something. But that's <laughs> so about as strenuous. Definitely yeah. wear some good some good shoes, uh, <laughs> but but <laughs> otherwise. Right. But no, we're not no hardcore. <laughs> We're not, uh, yeah, not like hiking the volcano in Hawaii, which I did in December. Uh, so. <laughs> no, not we're not going to the steps of Mount Soleil or anything. <laughs> yeah, and yeah, and be careful about the your cosplay choices as well. Being out in that kind of heat, it it, it can oh, yeah. get pretty brutal. Oh. I've been through Valley of Fire a couple times, and uh, it, it yeah gets re I mean, it's total exposure out there. You know, sun beating yeah. on you. So no, no I was just say we have a on the big tour. We do this all the time because people want to cosplay at you know at, at Starfleet Academy and headquarters or whatever. And people people bring their cosplay with them and they change real quick mm -hmm. and go out do their pictures and then they they get out. You know. Yeah. And I, I should say too that the the max on the tour is this day tour is I think it's eighteen. So it's either eighteen or twenty. So I think twenty is what's on the website. Oh, you can't I trust just, that. No, <laughs> I just pulled it up to look at everything. I was going nuts yeah. on uh, on creation site because you've always been listed on the creation site, and I I cannot. We're not there. Find I it. thought no, okay. I Eesh. thought that you were, and I think possibly it might have gotten bumped off um, with all just okay. the stuff they've been adding. They've, they've, re, they've rejiggered the site this year. I'll ask Terrace about that because I thought we were, but it maybe yeah. because it's just the one day this year, not the huge big tour, but. Well, you should still be uh, on there. Yeah. yeah. Well, uh, Ignatian Tours, if you come to I mean, my blog at LarryNimichek.com or TreklandBlog.com, I've done a story for it, uh, but I can send you, I'll give you guys a link and you can, you can put it up. Um, yeah. Either the page and or my, my story about it will have a link to it. So. Yeah. It's really easy to find. It is, yeah, I got there through geeknationtours.com and LarryNemichek.com, so it was pretty easy to find going to either one of those. So, yep, uh, and there's a super easy button that says "Book Now," yeah. <laughs> which I really want to click, but I'm poor. So, <laughs> <laughs> well, the tax refund, right? Your tax refund's coming. Oh no, I own a business. I had to pay out. Oh, oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> it's okay. No, it's already I'm claimed. gonna. I'm going to save my pennies, but no, I, you know, hopefully we will get your uh, list full after this podcast is released. Yeah. Well, I have something, Larry, that will help get your list full, by the way. Okay. I have a lovely testimonial that has been recorded by Miss Bonnie Moss, who attended oh, one of your yes. Geek Nation tours last year. So I'm going to, I'm going to play that for the listeners here and uh, let them hear from a, from an actual patron, what your tour is actually like and how much fun it is. 
Yes, thank you. Um, it was fabulous. Um, I went with a super group of people uh, from the Rio Hotel, which was very convenient. Made a lot of new friends during the tour. Um, the Valley of Fire is unlike any other place you may go to. Um, just the rock formations and the, the, the coloration and, and the terrain is excellent. And then to have the commentary with Larry Nemanchek as to um, what was filmed where and um, the, the Kirk's final resting place and the, the battle with Soren and Picard and Kirk. All of these things, locations are still there. He fleshes it out. Um, bring comfortable shoes and, um, and a hat. It can get a little toasty, but worth your time and worth every penny. I highly recommend it. Oh, that Bonnie. You know, she's a big, well, you know, she's a big Spock fan, as you all know by now. And, yes. you know, Vulcan fans never bluff. So <laughs> That's true. Bonnie, Bonnie was such a joy to have on the show. So uh, she was kind enough to, to record that uh, for you as a little bit of a surprise. So um, it, it, really nice to hear about uh, how much fun it is to, to go on this tour. And, and I'm looking forward to hearing their stories. Well, and again, uh Again, it's a it's a it's a day taste of what the bigger tour is, and we'll have the big full tour uh, next year again in 2018. I don't know if we're going to have San Francisco again as an offering. It was a big thing for the 50th. We'll we'll just have to see how it goes and how what the mood of everybody is by then. But we we may well do that. But um, the you know it's what's weird is even in the uh, not weird. What's what's cool is even on the one day trip. <laughs> um, well, it's weird if you're a, a pessimist, I guess. Great if you're an optimist. But even on the one-day tour, I remember last year on the – or last time we did this two years ago, and it was just, quote-unquote, you know, the one-day tour. We hadn't done the big one. Mm-hmm. We just came into Vegas a day early, uh, and I was sitting in a, you know one of the seats in the van, in the big van we have, minibus, I guess. And I had two fans uh, sitting talking to me from in front of me. One was from Indonesia. One was from Malaysia. Oh. So, yes, A, they're international fans, and, of course, their English is perfect, and they're from, you know, Southeast Asia, the island and peninsulas down there between Asia and Australia, and they were both fans. They both had their clubs back home, and not only am I sitting here talking to somebody from both of them, but they're both sitting there. Like, they're much closer to each other than I am to either one of them, you know. (laughs) They're just across the Strait of Sumatra or whatever, (laughs) but, you know, whatever it is, but. Uh, it was just cool. They're just sitting there talking about what they did. Oh, we had our last meeting. We watched blah, blah, you know, and it just it just hits it again. A, how, you know, global and universal Star Trek is, thank goodness, yeah. yep. uh, and, and a sanity break. But also what is cool about things like our tour and Vegas and conventions and fandom is that you never know who you're going to meet mm-hmm. or where they're going to be from yep. and how whether it's around the country, it's around the world, how you realize, again, that we all have more. There's, you know, way more. We have more in common. Yeah. You know, Gene would have loved to say that we have more in common than than there is that divides us. Yep. So, yeah. anyway, that was just a mo- moment that I'll always that and some of the wackier things that happen. But I'll always re- always remember that. And it's the tours. I know we say this on the big tour. It's great for because Terrace is from Canada and he has a lot of international people and we have a lot of international fans. A lot of them came last year, you know, for the 50th. It was mm-hmm. a pilgrimage. But a lot of people come to the United States for the first time to come to Vegas. Yeah. Right? Star Trek convention. And it can be scary and daunting, even though they're, you know, great little adventurers. 
And we always say the tour, if you're doing it ahead of time, is a great way to not only get over the hump of being here for the first time, because you're in, you know, you're in good hands with Tribbles, Captain, but but you're meeting people already. You don't walk in the door stranger. Not that I think most people, when they walk in the Rio for the first time, if they're a stranger, they don't stay that way 24 hours later. Yeah. <laughs> after after they've stood in line or they're sitting in their seat for a few hours, nobody's a stranger, especially in Trekland. But uh, but the tour is always a great great way to knock that down. So yeah, absolutely. You know, all these cool little spinoffs that have happened out of it too that are that are people talk about, and it's just like. I I think that Bonnie and um, Stephen were talking on our tricorder page, and you, Larry. I think you chimed in because the yep. two of them yeah. met on the tour and everyone was chatting. So, yeah, that's a really great point is that if it's the first time that you're coming and even if not, um, you make instant friends and you're going to see those people for the rest of the week. So um, it's a really good opportunity to have yeah, fun yeah. And, and meet people. So very, yes. yeah, good point. And again, the one, the one weekend, the one day is always there, but on the odd numbered years, the one day is all we're doing. So it's kind of it's kind of fun to do. So yeah, so people are getting aboard now, and and again, it's it's a limit of twenty. So um, so you know, if you're thinking about, it, and again, it's it, there's been so much cut now. I got in, I forget who I was getting into it with, not getting into it, but somebody was talking about concrete meaning. Some some young lady was talking about concrete as in that guy that comes up and bugs yeah. you and doesn't know, you know, whatever. I know. All and I was that. saying, oh, let's not. Uh, yeah. But I was saying, oh, now, wait a minute. Let's not appropriate this term, because I started saying concrete years ago when like the Monday after pool party happened. And then when we started adding things the day before and then now. Right. I was using concrete as in the calendar is creeping on each end, you know, hour. Yeah. So they, let's let's come up with another name for the creepy concrete. <laughs> you know, your 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 whatever your adjective of choice, your, your douchey adjective of choice. But con douche that sounds fun to me. Oh wow! <laughs> yeah. Oh gosh! That time when you don't that time when you don't want the con douche spirit, right? Okay. Yeah, concrete does fit the, uh, the the spreading of the schedule because I, I see every year now I see people who are getting there, you know, even almost a week ahead of time, and or and they're you know posting pictures of the empty masquerade right. bar and and people who stay, you know, for three, four, five days after the con is over, and uh, you know, well, three weeks later, I finally standing. cut my band. Yeah, yeah. the ones who. <laughs> I finally got my band. Yeah, I love the Facebook pictures now. It's like, uh, you know, it's like July 10th. I'm here. Where are you all? Yeah. Like, what? <laughs> Three weeks, four weeks ahead. But that's what it's turned. It feels like that's what it's. Turned. Yeah. Yes. Well, it's amazing how every you know, every so many the years are cre speaking of creeping. The years are creeping by. And it's amazing how about the time I think, oh, here's some I'm watching changes in Vegas. Then a few more years go by and I was like, oh, here's another few waves of, you know, it's like what's going on in the world, what's going on in Trek, what's going on in convention yeah. scene in general. And um, I mean, it just since I started my site, my blog in 08, like right after that, because we talk about this kind of in a way, you know, the Vegas con started in 01 and the first one wasn't even creation. It was um, Slanted Fedora and it was meant to be a, what was the anniversary in 01, the 35th, I guess. Yeah, 35th. And uh, and it was like two days later, 9-11 happened and all the oh. all the foreign people were trapped and fans couldn't fly home. Man. It was kind of wild because it was on the it was on the anniversary weekend. It was on the yeah. September 8th, 9th, 10th weekend. So 
you know, September 8th, 9th, 10th, 2001 wasn't fun the way it wound up. <sighs> but then they implode, you know, that company fell apart, imploded, and creation jumped in and they'd already decided to like jump them a month and be in August. And things are cheaper in August. And that's why it's always been in August ever since. Right. They never made a move to go, you know. And the first one wasn't at the Hilton or the old experience site. It was at another, it was at a at a low hotel. And, mm-hmm. you know, Creation went to the Hilton at the time for the experience and then obviously moved away. They gave it a couple of years and then moved away when the, yeah. the experience. Started. But it's been fun to watch how it's evolved. And then before Vegas, you know, before Vegas, it took people three years to realize, oh, it'd be a good thing to do a convention in Vegas with the experience there. Because the, the Pasadena Grand Slams used to be. Mm-hmm. The, yeah, they were the, the big pin- one. Right. The pinnacle of track conventions, at least. Creation. Yeah. So anyway, yeah. it's like every four or five years, there's this new generation of complexity or something's happened and new fans new movies new fans and now a new series yeah yeah because that my that was my first creation was 2009 um after the the jj movies i just got super pumped and it's like oh we're in denver we could just fly down to vegas (laughs) and uh and and all began before yeah but i had i had mostly focused on um like Starfest and StarCon there in Denver? Well, I actually, I started going to MegaCon down in Florida. I used to manage a uh-huh. comic book store. Um, so I was very focused on the the comic book world down there. And that's really what okay. most of the, the cons were. It was, it was, it was the comic book genre and then like uh, popular TV. I don't even remember like the first MegaCon I went to, if there were Star Trek people or not. Um mm-hmm. And we we did go to Starfest. I think it was that same year or the year after, and it has grown a lot. We just it was just this past weekend, and I didn't get to go, but um, it was a little too small. <laughs> it's a it's a fan run convention, and they had uh, Nana visitor Renee Auberjon, Wall, Walter Koenig. I think were the three Star Trek mm-hmm. people. So it's people that I see on a you know every year at STLV. Um, yeah, yeah. And so it's just, it's just a little small and Denver Comic-Con I went to last year and it's, it's too big. (laughs) It's huge. Um, It's great. I'm, it's, it's only, this will be the fourth year and it had some phenomenal number of people because, you know, there's not a lot here in Colorado. Um, We do have a lot of very small, like there's a uh, Colorado Springs Comic-Con uh, and some other little mm-hmm. itty bitty ones, but Denver Comic Con attracts people just from you know all the outlying states as well. So uh, we had Will Wheaton, you know, he never goes to STLV. Mm-hmm. So we had him and some uh, Carl Urban, I think. Um, but yeah, but STLV is is the con for me. I went the first year, two thousand nine, <laughs> and that I sounds like a musical. STLV, the con for me. me. I I could I could write that musical. Um, it's just you know, and we talk about this in the groups, but it's it's because you know, number one, it's Star Trek focused, and uh, reality for me is that I'm just much more immersed in the Star Trek world than I am, you know, comic book world anymore. So I like just being immersed in Star Trek. I like the um, mostly adult vibe (laughs) in Uh vegas um not that i don't like kids or young people i do i just i like being in more of an adult uh mature future (laughs) they are and i think the future of fandom is with them yes creation could do a little bit more for uh families because there's really nothing there for families but um 
and you know that's where my friends are so I, it's family reunion which is oh, we talk sure. about yeah. all the time and seeing you guys and just seeing everyone and that's that's really why I go anymore is just to to see all my friends um well so see yeah. it's it's Something that sparked was when you were talking about going to Starfest, but the only the only three Trek people were Nana and Renee and, yeah. and Walter. Yeah, I mean Starfest started as a Trek con only. It did. I mean, it, it it was the first. Did you know it was the first uh, convention that Patrick Stewart was at? Actually, yes, I did know that. I, I just was there because that used, <laughs> that was the closest all Trek real Trek convention. Yeah. What's funny is with the Comic Cons, you know, blowing up and becoming this national mainstream, you know, thing for good and bad. I mean, there were always Comic Cons, but it was, you know, I, my stereotype here, as bad as we do this with, I yell about people on Trek, uh, was like the old comic guys going and just thumbing through the boxes of comics yeah. and bags. And that was yeah. a Comic Con to me. Yeah. <laughs> and I wasn't a comics guy, so I didn't care about going. And then but the, when, when Hollywood got involved and it became the mutual love affair in San Diego, and then the whole idea took off and everybody exploded, you know, that's, that's just been about 10 years ago. Yeah. And, uh, and so, like, Starfest has survived. And a lot of the old, I mean, it was either things were a sci fi lit con or they were a Trek con, Trek mm -hmm. slash media. And yeah. eventually there was other media besides Trek. And then Trek had its fallow time. And, and if they wanted to keep going that way, they had to have, you know, other genres yeah, and franchises. So, yeah. It's but, wildly anyway. successful. I mean, Starfest, like, it's still going strong. And they've, um, they've got uh, three days of all star fest and I watch the reports of everybody that goes and they love it. Um, so again, like we've talked about in the past, the difference between these fan run conventions and the company run conventions. Um, and like on Friday night of Starfest, they, you do have to buy an extra ticket or you have to have a certain tier ticket, but you basically are in a room, all of the guests are there and they go from table to table and just sit down and talk with you. Mm -hmm. um, and one of my girlfriends went and when Walter Koenig went up on stage to do his panel, he actually, he actually called out for all the people at table nine to stand up because they had just <laughs> been such wonderful company. And so my friends, you know, stood up and waved. Um, which was yep. just really sweet. I mean, Walter's just the best that way, but it's a much more intimate experience than, than Vegas is. Um, unless you buy like one of the extra experience tickets that they don't really do anymore. They used to do the breakfasts, um, mm -hmm. and the lunch and they've stopped doing those tickets. So I think the closest thing you're going to get to that now is like, uh, the DS nine documentary, a uh, fun crowdfund campaign sold a few different tickets for some kind of like meet and greet or whatnot mm -hmm. with the DS9 people. Um, so I think that's that's really like the best you get aside from chatting with people in, that are available in the vendors room. Um, right. Or do they did they do some small events like in the I mean, the 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 wannabe Quark's bar has gotten incrementally better every year about yeah. having a point and not feeling like a you know, a sad shadow of trying to be <laughs> the old Quark's bar. It's like the last uh, couple of years, it's actually gotten up there. They've had events and it's actually been packed for some things. And the yeah. Roddenberry stage is in there. Oh, yeah, that I'm helps. hoping they bring we'll that back. I am waiting um, on with bated breath to hear that Roddenberry stage is coming back because that really took the Quark space to another level. Yep. Um, mm -hmm. I think everyone loved it. I know there was some issue with uh, like 
the bands over like karaoke and the Roddenberry's band overlapping or something. But um, I think everyone agrees that that was a great addition great to the yeah. convention. So as soon as I hear that, that we're going to have it, I'm going to let everybody know. And then you, uh, yes, and I will too. And uh, the, uh, and then of course the capper is if you're just out at masquerade bar with some of the actors when they're on their way in the door or they're on their yep. way out the door and they yep. just want to kind of, they just want to slink out, but they don't mind slinking if there's like, Five or ten people there that <laughs> if it's yeah. the middle of the day, you know, they don't want a, a mob. But I hear but pretty frequently know. from uh, we've had different guests that have told their stories about little run ins with so and so. I think it's really like the big names. You're probably not going to run into, you know, Patrick Stewart, of course, uh, <laughs> anywhere in the convention space, just hanging out. If Patrick is hanging out at the masquerade <laughs> bar. I would, just get me a picture. That's all. I. <laughs> yeah. But I know, like, uh, I think Jonathan Frakes has hung out at the bars before. Um Oh gosh, I can't remember. Like I think Connor and Dominic, um, we hung out. We had Nicole DeBoer. Oh, sure, I can't yeah. say her name. Yes. DeBoer was yeah. it? Um, Ibar. So right. yeah, there's definitely that opportunity at like STLV. JG and Bob, you might see. Yeah, they're oh, they're around. I love when yeah. they do the karaoke too. Best thing. Yeah, but I'm talking about just like I said, on their way in or on their way out, or oh, I just yeah. got in, and you know, or whatever. Um, uh, John Billingsley and Bonnie's yeah. kind of hang, you know. But there's a, there's that whole yeah. And of course, nobody wants to be a, a crowd magnet and have a mob show up, but right. you just never know. So, yeah. especially if it's the odd hours, middle of the afternoon or early morning, or just get, you know, waiting in line to hey. get a coffee. And there's <laughs> that have my friend that just happened at Starfest where my friend was in line to get a coffee and Renee was there <laughs> chatting with Renee and coffee. Yes, we are Starbucks. Heather and Claire and I were waiting at Starbucks once and Walter walked up the long Starbucks line and the sea parted and they let him through. <laughs> oh, there you go. There you go. Well, that was nice. That was yeah. nice. Yeah. No, the, it's really interesting how I mean, I when I was like a year or two after starting my pay, my site and and trying to be modern entrepreneurial that. I noticed I had just started going to Comic-Con with friends who had been going for ages, and it was interesting. I, I wrote this, and I had one guy write and said, it was the best blog thing I ever wrote, read, <laughs> because I was all I was talking about was the Comic-Conification of Vegas. Mm -hmm. It first started happening in the – I mean, cosplay is such a funny word anyway, because people <laughs> – I used to – when I first heard that, I was like, oh, you mean like going in costume? <laughs> yeah. Like, it's a new concept. <laughs> I'm sorry if I didn't have the frou-frou word for it. <laughs> but then I went, I, as I realized that that kind of came out of out of anime, right? And mm -hmm. anime tradition. And I went, oh, well, it's not just wearing a costume because it's, it's what is it? It's, ca it's cause for costuming and play for role-playing. Yeah. So silly me, my first thing was they're role-playing a con. They're not just wearing a costume. They're role-playing the character all day long. That's what makes it different. Right. And then after a year or two, I'm like, you're not role playing. You're just wearing the costume. <laughs> yeah. Like, cosplay. Where's the play? Who put the play in cosplay, or who took it out? So you know, there's times I want to go. Excuse me. It's just like it's just like women in fandom. And this is one of my soapbox. This is one of the things I hope I can punch up a little bit in uh, the Con of Wrath when we do our doc get our documentary finished. Is this whole thing about the geek girl revolution and the mm -hmm. fangirl revolution and all that? It's like like. No, women built Star Trek fandom. Yes, Spock yes. and Vulcan and fanzines. Yes, and then the you know con to, uh, that when when the um, when the Shatner get a life sketch was on Saturday Night Live, like that was like eighty six or something. And I remember watching it live and going, 
what are all those young boys in t-shirts in the audience? <laughs> Where's all the middle-aged women? That's yep. the real, you yeah. know, I'm by then middle-aged. So anyway, this whole thing about the, you know, so I love having pictures from the seventies and the eighties of all the, all the girls and young women and women yeah. running around in all the, everything from you know, like Vulcan matriarchs to, you know, mirror universe, Uhura and, you know, uh, Moreau cut off midriffs to, I mean, everything. Yeah. And, uh, guys, <laughs> did not into this anyway that's what's funny about the whole the whole arc of conventions has been been interesting but i i will say i'll argue this in anybody's face i one day i was i wrote something on this one time going backwards all the big even though like you were saying like you could barely find star trek at a comic-con the last few years which we mm -hmm. hopefully will something about maybe my little secret hope is that discovery will surprise everybody and not just be good and be a hit but be like this breakout mega hit and all the 15 year olds next year at all the comic cons will be running around, you know, dressed as uh, as a uh, Cinequa's character or whatever. You know. Yeah. It didn't happen yeah. with Jayla, but a series might be repetitious enough in people's face enough that it will start imprinting. I hope but, so. You know, but that would be cool. But but other than that, Star Trek started all this. It's just that's one of the things I like to try to do with preserving and archiving things is like a mentioned about women is reminding people and everybody who's just hit fandom and conventions now that in a, in a gentle way you know you should go back and <laughs> you should you should watch some star trek and you should also know like what star trek did for all of your favorite you know yeah all you all you people watching your dc series now you know and loving it <laughs> yeah and you know and but I mean, we do. We live in this world where everybody who has a halfway genre-connected show or a hitch, you know, a police show, where the one of the leads used to be in a genre show, and so now they're Comic-Con material because you know Nathan Fillion used to be in yeah. Firefly. You know? Yeah. But I mean, it's like you know, go back and figure out why this all happened. It, it Star Trek, it, you know. Yeah. yeah, it's important. And, I, you know, as a woman, I appreciate you bringing up the the history of women in conventions because it really I didn't even know about it until I, you know, really got into Star Trek and going to the conventions and started learning. And I feel like um, that discussion has has really only come up recently in the past couple of years and especially with the 50th um, and like the the women in Star Trek panel that they do every year, you know, last year, B. Joe Trimble was on there and we've been talking with her, um, to get her on the podcast to talk a little bit about, um, oh, I hope she does. Yeah. days of yore with her. We just got to get her Skype set up, but, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but you know, it was, it was really great having her. And I, I reached out and I asked her if, if, um, they were going to be there this year. And of course, you know, creation hasn't asked them, um, which disappoints me because she's she wants to go and I think they should be a staple at Star Trek convention. Yes. I, well, and especially with the folks from the first gener, you know, the first from the original series and the first generation era people. Yeah. Because yeah. well, when when I was when I had Communicator Magazine, the official fan clubs magazine, and the last when we really got it ramped up and going before every you know the world blew up in two thousand five on about three levels, but um, the Trek world anyway, but. Um, we started even then. What's that been? Fifteen years ago, we started doing a series that I called First Person Fandom because First Fandom is what they called the fans who were at the First Worldcon in the '30s. Right. You know, it was kind of a term that was applied. So I gave it a twist for Trek and called it First Person Fandom for the people who were there at the beginning of Trek fandom. And there's still a lot of them there. But like, I would love to, I would love to have the people who who was left 
who mm-hmm. did the first New York convention in 73. And there's, I talked yeah. to a couple of them occasionally, but the big, big leading lights. And again, they're three fourths women, but like you mm-hmm. mentioned, Bijo. So like Joni Winston, who wrote, yep. you know, and she's passed. And um, Shirley Mayuski, who was the head of the Star Trek Well Committee for years and years and years mm-hmm. after, you know, and some of the zine editors and people, but we did get three done of this series and we did get um, Joan Winston interviewed. We did get um, Shirley Mayuski interviewed and um, who was the other one? We did three, but they were all just happy. I wasn't trying to get women, but the women were the early people who did yeah. the structure and the pillars of, of Trek fandom. Yeah. And, and we did get them, you know, and they all passed away within, you know, like a year or two or three after that, not B. Joe, but right. you know, a few right after that. And it's like, get those stories recorded and get them, it's like when I got a couple of two or three years, I got Bob Justman to come to to Pasadena and then to Vegas and said, God, you know, guys, you need to have him here. People, mm-hmm. the newer fans need to hear these guys first person, you know? Yeah. Well, I mean, look at like Stan Lee. Stan Lee is everywhere. And I mean, he's, yeah. he's, a, he's such a prominent, you know, of course, he's a prominent figure, but these people are, are as important to Star Trek, um, in my opinion, anyway. And it's just that, that I. That panel would fill a room, in my opinion, having all the people who have, you know, were responsible for saving Star Trek because it was the fans. I mean, Star Mm -hmm. Trek is here because of fans. Um, And that's I was just so thrilled to to have Bijo up there last year and and get to listen to her. And then I've listened to various podcasts she's been on as well. Um, It would be amazing if Dorothy Fontana (laughs) was there. Um, it's just really sad how somewhere in the history of conventions, women have just been forgotten, um, to the point well, that, I, yeah. that we're thinking it's a revolution that women are going again. Well, that's, that's been my soapbox for a few years. Cause I thought the first time I heard that it's, and again, you can't, you can't knock people who don't know, but we, right. that's part of the challenge of having so many young, that's, that's the way you, they, people for 10 years, in fandom and especially in corporate Star Trek, we're like wringing their hands about, oh, we're going to lose our younger demographic. And is Star Trek fandom just going to age out of existence? And aside from the kids being raised by fans, you know, we're not going to, you know, all the gamer kids. And is anybody yeah. under 30 watching Star All of that. And and the mo- the JJ movies did bring a ton of people in. They I did. do remember that 2009. Mm-hmm. And I'm hoping that Discovery will do the same thing. And and just being socially media out there and so many iter- like you guys and all the podcasting that's going on and all the new way, you know, memes and all the fan films and people doing a movie yeah. at their laptop and all the clever, you know, all the mashups and all the goofy video stuff, because that's where people live now. Mm-hmm. That's doing a ton of good. And then being the Blu-rays and the Netflix and streaming access. Is yeah. Yeah. So all that's good. But still. People don't know, and not that this is like, you know, this is a class and you have to pass all the tests, but it just heightens your awareness. And and part of this is even corporate because you're talking about the fans brought it back. I think Star Trek more than any other, that's why it's ironic to me and why we have to do our parts here, that in a time when Star Trek is in a fallow time and, and trying to get back to where it was, and maybe a year from now it'll have exploded again, who knows? But <laughs> <laughs> when it's when it's yeah when it's when it's in a follower time at the same time as all the Marvel DC superhero and Star yeah. Wars now, and and it, they're all at a zenith point. Yeah, that the people who are coming in in that don't 
don't know – I don't want to say Star Trek's proud history like it's the British Empire and it'll never come back. But, <laughs> you know, but I mean having that there and why so much of that – and not just for, oh, it's historical trivia, but why Star Trek is also different than everything else. Yes. And I think one of that is nothing else – there's not a DNA of ownership in the fandom no. with almost anything else the way it is with Star Trek, even – you know, like Star Wars fans are, you know, and comic book fans can get anal and argue and, and do canon and trivia just like Trek people can. No one ever argued that comic book fans brought back DC and Marvel right. you know, from the brink or that yeah. Star, Star Wars was never brought back from the brink or death or yeah. they never – no TV show had ever been made into a movie and then right. continued on as a franchise. The right. terms franchise – I mean this is stuff we talk – Star Trek was doing multi-cinematic yeah. universes you know, before anybody – we had – this is one of my other soapboxes. Star, <laughs> Star Trek invented the internet with paper and stamps before the internet was yep. there. Yep. Yep. That's, what the, that's what the well committee was. It was yep. how do we get information to fans, whether you want to know about the show or you want to know about fandom or whatever you want to know about. How do we do that? And we were doing it. There, nothing had ever had a passion behind it mm -hmm. until start. I mean, I started to say Rudy Giuliani, no, Rudolph Valentino or Bing Crosby or Elvis Presley or the Beatles or what, you know, singers maybe and a movie star here and there. Right. Nothing as a as a as an entity, as a thing, with stars involved, sure, but as a thing existed like that before Star Trek. And the Doctor Who people go, but Doctor Who was before Star Trek. I go, yeah, but it took the Americans to show you how to market it. No one, <laughs> no one knew what it was before, you know, Star Trek and Star Wars. Yeah. So anyway, now I, I'll get off my soapbox. But now I love the soapbox. But, but, you know, and today, if you talk to people who know the industry, and I've noticed this too, because I came from Star Trek, but talking to people from other... They will steal you know, people who do conventions and who might even be jaded and cynical and all that. And they will say, Star Trek has the nicest fandom of all fandoms. <laughs> yeah. It's like they're just nicest. Now, if you're in a flame war with somebody <laughs> arguing about, you know, uniform uh, rank braid hymns or something, that might not be true. But uh, I'm kidding. But I think it's that it's the it's the Roddenberry vision is why yes. Star Trek was yes. what it was. And yes. it's the ownership streak that people have in it both. And there is no other fandom like that. No, yeah. I, the yeah. uh, not to. I always steal from Mission Log. I'm like the morals and meanings of Star Trek. Sorry, Roddenberry. Um, <laughs> but it's so true because you know it, this fandom based around like what we want to be, um, what we want our future to be, and this constant hope and um, ever optimism mm -hmm. just drive this franchise in a, in a, a way no one else has that. And so I completely agree that it's Roddenberry's vision. And then it's it's the passion that we as fans have. You know, I didn't I didn't start loving Star Trek until I was an adult. I didn't grow up with Star Trek. Mm -hmm. I grew up being a science fiction fan. Um, I like to go back and look through my childhood pictures to have proof of yes, like I was I was a sci-fi kid. Um, you know, I was I'm from a small town in Kentucky, so it's of all the places oh, for Star okay. Trek to reach my little tiny three thousand people in my town. Uh -huh. um, Star Trek wasn't wasn't something anyone watched there and my parents were not Trekkies. My dad did watch it, but he never, he wasn't like a big fan where he got me to watch it. So it wasn't until I was an adult that, that I really got into Star Trek, but it is, it is my passion outside of my, you know, my work, my family. I've been a fan of many things, but it it's just really this, this hope for the future. And the fact that I see that future and my friends 
And so I go, mm -hmm. you know, I love Star Trek 365 days a year. I make this one little excursion to my Mecca every year. Um, and there are a lot of people like me that have that same that same passion, that same hope for the future that is unique to Star Trek. So I, I just I can't agree with that enough, Larry. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, it's. And that's why not it doesn't turn into a tit for tat, you know, like, oh, you know, like when these the token, you know, Trek versus Wars debates or something, because yeah. most people are fans of both. People have their favorite. Yeah. But that's so much of that is just like trumped up. I mean, yeah. Whoops, that's not a good person. <laughs> um, uh -oh. <laughs> oh. But so much of that is you know, like ginned up or whatever. But it's, you know, I just go, hey, do the math. There's 747 something hours of Star Trek and there's you know, yeah. like 20 of, of Star But But yeah, it is. And what you said though about being a kid, I'd love the inter the interview when JJ was on Daily Show with John Stewart, and I have I keep that little panel as a meme yeah. that I pop in. Yeah. When he said something, yeah, when I was a kid, I didn't understand Star Trek. It was just so philosophical, and all my friends wanted. To, and then, but he basically says that it's like you know when I when you're a kid, it's easy to to grab on to Star Wars than Star Trek, and yeah. sometimes you do have to grow, even though tons of kids. You know, we're Trek fans when they were little kids, much I less, was. you know, teenagers. Whatever. Yeah. Yeah. I grew up with it. Yeah. And, I, and I'm so envious of people that did grow up with it because I just I wish I could have been four years old and watching it and having all my life. And, I, you know, I didn't. <laughs> the, the first series that I watched on television was Enterprise. Um, I watched some of Voyager. Like, I hate to talk about this stuff, guys, because because, you know, other people sometimes do look down on like these new fans and true. um it's it's a really sad thing and so i'm like oh god people are going to judge me because i didn't love star trek when i was 12 no. i i remember look i remember watching voyager and well i would I just go to those people and yell idiot at them and shut yeah. that well, down. i do no, i do because you know my belief is that you know every everyone who loves star trek or who even likes star trek is is a fan um, so it doesn't matter what age you were or when or how, just that you love Star Trek. But, you know, I remember watching Star Trek and it was just it was episodes that were bad episodes. And I was like, wow, this is kind of campy. This is Voyager specifically. Sorry, Voyager lovers. But um, I just remember like I just I couldn't get into it, even though, uh, you know, I just loved all this other science fiction. And I was like, why, why? It, I don't I don't know. Like I wish I had a good answer besides I did not like have late, late late Voyager or early on or what? I think it had to have been early. I just remember it was one of those episodes where the I think it had to be early Voyager because a lot of it is very it's just very acted. It's not well written. Um, I say it's very acted. I guess what I mean is to me they it, it reads as if they're just saying their lines in some episodes and you know here i had a female captain and i should have been like oh my gosh look um mm -hmm. and it just did not resonate with me for some reason and i'm just like oh why not like why and, and so then you gave enterprise a try when it came out or yeah so well it was my my ex-husband at the time he was raised in a star trek family his mom was a trekkie uh, so he, he wanted to watch it. I, well, actually the first movie I saw in the theater was Nemesis. So even though there's all this Nemesis hate, I have a special place for that film in my heart mm -hmm. because it was the first one I saw in the theater. Um, but yeah, so we watched Enterprise and I made it through like up until it gets really awesome. Like, you know, third season, <laughs> I think when it starts to get super great, um, for some reason I wound up losing interest. Um, but we, 
that we had lived in Florida. We moved out to Colorado and then JJ movies came out and I was like, okay, well, let's go see that one. I loved it. I loved it. I thought it was a great, a great film. And given I, I wasn't a huge Trekkie at the time, but as someone who liked Star Trek, didn't know a ton of the history, I thought it was a really good movie. So we're just like, let's, you know, let's try to find a Comic-Con. Let's see if we can find somewhere to go. And, you know, Google led us to STLV. And I went and it, it was a very different experience because it was, you know, me and my ex-husband. And we were most mostly kept to ourselves, made some friends, um, met Leonard This is Nemo. so hard to uh, <laughs> envision now, but yeah. <laughs> it's, you know, we met Leonard Nimoy. I met, you know, I met Pe- uh, Zachary Quinto. So I met new people and and I just, I met Leonard Nimoy. Oh, best, <laughs> just one of the most memorable moments of my life. Um, even, even though, guys, I was not as in love with Leonard Nimoy as I am now, meeting him was still that monumental that it is one of the best moments of my life. He's so awesome. But mm-hmm. anyway... I could tell that 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 convention was just special. Like I could, I could look at the people and see that there were friends here and people that maybe came every year. Like you you could see the little family elements. And so kept coming back and got divorced eventually and came back by myself and told him not to come because it's my territory. (laughs) (laughs) And, and I've, you know, I've, I've come every year since. So I don't know. I don't know what else to say. I think you've. I think you've said it all. I think no. It's but but getting that you know sharing that out. I mean, it's not like I don't want to go out and evangelize. I just want to make sure that part of what I do with everything I've done. I didn't sit down and think all this out. But yeah, you know, my background is theater and entertainment, and my background is news and journalism. And then I'm a fan, and I have way too many interests all over the place. I love history. I was a NASA kid before I was a talk about the original series and Star Trek and being grounded in real science as much as it can be. And the mutual love affair with NASA that's been there since day one, you know, and goes on today. And all those things are all part of why Trek is different than all other fandoms things too, which we've, you know, gone through, but um, you know, that's me. And as time went on, I just was a huge, you know, background fan, both, in canon and how the shows were made. And yeah. so everything that, and I love the stories and the characters and the actors and those 79 shows over and over again for, you know, 10, 15 years, 20 years, because I was a rerun kid. But, um, and then Next Generation, and they were able to latch on eventually wobbly, but you were so starved, even though you had the movies, but <laughs> you wanted more. And it's it's yeah. a lot like where we are now. But I just realized that that was, that was it. And without thinking about it, when you know my instincts, some the people that did fan fiction out of the gate, because that's how they they wanted more Star Trek, and they weren't getting it. So what are they going right. to do for themselves? They're going to write stories. And that, yeah. and my thing was, I want to get this damn thing organized, and I would like start doing you know gap filling and background stuff. And then, well, why did you do this and not this? And I would at, you know eventually get to be able to talk to people. So when I got the keys to do things like the the next gen companion and edit mm-hmm. communicator for eight years, uh, whatever it was, seven eight years, and work on the fact files and everything I've wanted to do. And then the everything under Trekland that I've done since then, when I do interviews or write or, or what I do with portal 47 now, which is really kind of the ultimate, you know, backstage pass thing for, for yeah. indulging mine. I mean, my first convention I went, I thought I took all my bi- background Star Trek books because I thought when I went to a convention, we'd all sit around and talk background. <laughs> I, took my, I took my blueprints, my tech manual, my concordance, <laughs> 
uh, a lot of magazine. I had Trek magazine and some different things and Starlog and the giant poster books and all that stuff. And I, I went in. Boy, am I dating myself? And I went in. This is like in college. And I went, oh, no, it's not people sitting around in groups talking background. It's people watching movies and people dressing up, and which I wanted to do, too. But, you know, yeah. It, so I went, oh, and that was my like quick education. And, and within two or three years, I'm like, OK, we're all fans, but I'm not like every fan, <laughs> you know. So I so with Portal 47, I say, you know, it's not for everybody. But if you're if you're a background fan and you want to know take a deeper dive as we say that's that's yeah. what it was when you when you were talking about the women and like the women at war panel uh thanks to uh, uh, uh mark cushman i'll i'll give him credit i had no idea she was still around but um andrea kincaid who was gene coon's assistant right yep she is still around she lives in australia and we had her as a guest one month on our telebriefings oh, and cool. oh my god I mean, but that's like first person. That's another like example of first person history. And those are people. And even if they're from Next Gen and Voyager and DS9, which, which you know, by the way, the years are going by on those shows too now. Yeah. <laughs> you know, as far as preserve your history, guys. Yeah. But to hear anybody who will say, I mean, and I can do this with late Next Generation onward. I can say Michael and Jerry and Rick and, you know, because I knew them and worked with them or interviewed right. them or, you know, combination of all these things. But to have people to say, well, you know, when Bob came in and was talking to Gene and, <laughs> and Gene came in and Dorothy was there and then Bill came over and was they were arguing about this, but, you know, or something, something. And people who will talk about all those people in first name basis because they were there and yeah. knew them. Yeah, that's that's one of the things now that I, I also try to bring to myself and people and getting it getting it on film, getting it recorded. And if we can get it into a, a, a live experience, either over the Internet somehow. Or, you know, at a live event, even that's yeah. just like magical because that's the I feel like that's the best thing we can do for yeah. people, whether they've been a fan for 20 years or or, or two months. I agree. Know, I, I think, you know, part of my my personal evolution as a Star Trek fan has been to really dive in and to read, you know, all these books about the history of Star Trek, how it was made, what you know, what went into this, what went into that, um, listening to podcasts which are just, I, I'm so grateful that we have podcasts um, and these interviews because, you know, people uh, over at um, Saturday Morning Trek, um, Aaron Harvey, he's done some really mm -hmm. amazing interviews. Yours was one of them um, that I listened to a few weeks ago. And just, oh, that's right, yeah. Getting, you know, just it's I just find it fascinating. And I know that Jeff is a big fan of um, Mark Cushman's Voyages Oh, yes. Books. These are the Voyages, um, yeah. Yeah, we've had him on a few times. And so I know like Jeff is really likes reading about those because they're so extremely detailed with a lot of the background info. Um, I it's so important. And that's just another reason why Star Trek is so great is, yeah, you can watch all the episodes, but then there is so much more to learn. Um, I wanted the when we had um, the Harlan Ellison book on. Sky mm -hmm. Sky yeah. yeah. Exactly. And got to listen to that. And I mean, my, you know, my, my mind was blown just by learning the history involved in City <laughs> on the Edge. Um, that's just, I think, I think most Star Trek fans kind of know what happened on a base level. I mean, some are oblivious, but I like, I think a lot of people that know general Star Trek history know kind of what, what went on there, but. I, I think for, I think first general, I think seventies, eighties fans know because that was what there was and they were closer to it. 
Yeah. And then and then, yeah, the further we've gotten away from that, people kind of know, oh, if, if they know anything, they go, oh, well, uh, Harlan won an award for his script. And then the show won an award for the won a Hugo mm-hmm. for the way it was, you know, aired. And that's yeah. and they fought at the beginning yeah. and he never wrote again for Trek and yeah. Harlan's Harlan. <laughs> you know. And um but the, yeah, he's gotten older and people have migrated away from mainstream, you know, sci-fi fandom and don't know yeah. what a character, what a crazy, wild, creative, uh, crazy was, guy Harlan Ellison was. He was so popular when he was, I think he was there, what, like two years ago? Two years ago, yep. At STLV. Mm-hmm. And um, I think he was on stage twice. And that's like all I heard about those days <laughs> was him on stage. So, Well, that's good. Yeah, that's as it ought to have been, because yes. he again, I don't want to be morbid, but these people are not going to be with us forever, as we have no. learned all too well the last few years. You yeah, know? we had, we hoped he would have been there last year, but no, he's just he's not in great health. And yeah, I, we're lucky to have had the the people that we've had at the conventions. Um, I Grace Lee Whitney is one that mm-hmm. comes to mind just because I read mm-hmm. her autobiography recently. And and, you know, again, I really did not know a whole lot about her. And then I read the autobiography and I was just like wow like why did I never go up and have a chat with her like I regret that now because yes, yes, I yes. really I admire her I admire what she went through um as a woman I admire you know she she didn't have she was she was an alcoholic and she admits to that and talks about going through recovery and just very real and honest and that connects with everyone you know mm-hmm. we're all people we're all human beings um and she's gone and I, you know, I regret that. And so it's, it's just so important to have those people there, uh, even, even for, for people in their twenties. I mean, all of us uh, can at least pass down these memories of having, having everyone, but it's, it's just like we say with our grandparents, you know, get it on video, talk to them, get the, get the story yeah. out there since we have that technology now. Yeah. yeah. Well, I, another one of my soapboxes, especially the last couple of years with the 50th coming is, is talk to the first generation fandom about that. Yes. And everybody's got local fan history in their city. And the other thing that I, I try to get over without seeming, you know, well, not like get off my lawn kids, but I mean, without seeming too, too crazy about it is uh, preserving stuff from fandom for younger kids, because everybody is running around in the, you know, the DC Marvel Uber world, big bang yeah. theories, number one show, you know, they didn't we didn't think about it. I didn't think about running around being a fan in the closet, you know, in the old days. You just kind of kept it to yourself. You found out who was it wasn't worth it talking to anybody else. <laughs> I didn't have any outright abuse. I guess there are a lot of people that, you know, if you watch Free Enterprise, you know, and see what Robert and, and Mark have their 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 Kirk fan, you know, portrayed as they're getting beat up for wearing his Kirk shirt to school in yeah. the 70s or whatever, the 80s. I I didn't have that. I was just kind of kept to myself, but I knew I would find, we would find friends who we could share that with. But the world is so different now. I mean, to me on a practical level, it was when we were first doing conventions and you had to beg, borrow and steal to get any news, any much less TV coverage (laughs) of your convention, you know, anything you were trying to do. And now much less get respect from anybody, hotels, you know, event people. And now, thanks to the Comic-Con madness, everybody and their dog is seeing dollar signs. <laughs> they want, you know, they're 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 courting cities yeah. and chambers of commerce are courting people to come in. Oh, yes, please come right this way. How many people are going to bring in hotel rooms and food and, you know, all the, the economic impact of it? And that's just hysterical yeah. to me, considering we were like fighting and clawing to get res- 
not just respect, but well, respect, but to get any attention. Oh, look, we got three paragraphs in the paper. Woohoo! About our, <laughs> you know, our two thousand person convention. You yeah. know, um, but that's it. But the the thing is, that like younger fans don't. And I, again, I I feel like I'm some you know, like old old black civil rights activist trying to talk to kids about the, what the fifties were like in the forties. But it's anything that's that's easy now because people did something to get it off the ground, whether it was a life and death issue or it was re- recreation or whatever it was. You know, it's that's a story that's told. And no matter what it is, it's it's not just about, you know, uh, you, we had to be tough fans back then. You guys have it easy. It's all in your phone. You know, <laughs> not so much that, but just being aware. Sorry, I was going to say, Larry, you know, you're absolutely right. And yeah, you just brought something into my mind that I just wanted to throw out there real quick about things that, that are easy today versus things that were, you know, much more difficult back. In, and something that my uncle gave me um, a while back that that really kind of hit home for me about how much easier it is to be a fan of just about anything today is he he gave me these and I had never seen these before. I'm sure you've seen them. I'm sure you have them. But he gave me these old. Lincoln Enterprises Star Trek catalogs from the oh, yeah. mid to late yes. 60s. And these were the you had to send away for these. They actually have my uncle's address on them. You had to send away for these, mm-hmm. and they were catalogs of Star Trek merchandise that you could order. You you couldn't just go on your phone or on a computer and onto a website and order Star <laughs> Trek stuff. This was how you had to get stuff back then. You had to write a letter and send away for these things. And they would mail you, and they're they're literally typed on a typewriter. Just remember, for everybody, you couldn't order anything on your phone. <laughs> no, of course. I mean, you know, I'm trying to put <laughs> yeah. it in terms that people, you know, the younger people today right. would understand. I hate right. to say younger people today would understand, but I mean, I have them in my hand right now, and you know, it's literally written uh, written on a typewriter. It's in black and white, and it's obviously photocopied, and you could get scripts and stickers and portraits. Um, you know, it's, it's, I also should scan some of these and put them on the website for people to see, because if you haven't seen these, these are a real time capsule and it just goes to show you, I mean, we take it for granted, uh, you know, nowadays how easy it is, but you know, back then, you know, being a fan of this stuff, you had to be rich, much more dedicated. It was a lot more than just tweeting angry yeah. tweets. <laughs> <laughs> Although, yeah. <laughs> Well, and then see, there was a there was a zine that started, uh, zine being like on Dead Tree Media, that was mailed with with postage stamps. Mm-hmm. Um, the, you know, among the fiction zines and the non, you know, which were the vast majority, and then there were some nonfiction zines, not near enough, but there were some. But there was a woman, her, and she's I tried to interview her, and she's like, oh come on, no one cares about this anymore, and I so would like to get her on the record. I we tried to get her in that series I mentioned back 10 years ago, Terry Meyer, she used to live in Kansas City. And for, I don't know, 15 years, she did a digest size, as in take a piece of typing, you know, a copy paper and turn, and do it in half. You know, uh, she did a zine uh, called um, called Interstat, and it was a letter zine or a loc zine, L-O-C meaning letter of comment zine. And basically the forerunner <laughs> of your message boards and your Facebook threads and your Twitter, you know, conversations. Basically, it was paper. She did it every month. She would people started off and they would write letters about whatever was. And this was in like in, starting the eighties, so there were just the movies going by, mm-hmm. and people would still talk about the original series, and that's all there was. But she had some columnists that would write humor. She had a woman named Dixie Owen who would clip things out of the trades. 
so that people around the country could talk, could see what was happening in the industry. And you, you, that was my first taste of tradees, you know, like ankles, so-and-so, or, you know, so-and-so picks boffo box office. (laughs) And she had a few, and they had cartoonists and it was always cover art, but the main, you know, the 95% of it was people would write letters and debate stuff. And it would just start off a little bit like we do now. We tag people in Facebook, but people would write something and then they would answer people. It was back. It was almost like, you know, Dorothy Parker and the Algonquin or something. It was like (laughs) this round table of people talking back and forth. And it was three fourths to seven eighths women. And it was mostly they would be talking about stories and characters. And there were some, you know, pre flame wars and pre snark fests. There was some really bitching stuff back and forth. And there were two or three people who were really just, you know, horrible, (laughs) really prickly characters. And their stuff would just be like dripping and people would get into arguments back and forth. And then some of us would read this and go, I don't, I don't really care. (laughs) Care. I just can I, can I just ask why we don't have more Andorians and Tellarites in the movies? Can I just ask that? That's all I care. I'm fine with Spock. I'm okay. But anyway, um, but that's it. So like once a month, and Terry would get these letters from people until she cut off. So there would be like 20 or 30, and she would hand retype yeah. everybody's into a font and pay, it was pasted up. You know, she would do it on her IBM Selectric, and she's got it, and then it would shoot down, and it would be 20, 30, 40 pages. And you would subscribe, and then people would send extra money for postage, <laughs> and um, and she would try to have news events. And but uh, Harv Bennett went to her when he wow. was trying to take over. When he will talk, tell the story, you can find it in the record. When he got given Star Trek II, and he didn't know what in the hell to do, and he sat down. <laughs> He was he went started looking. You couldn't just sit down and you know Google this. Right. He had to look around and see. And one of the people he saw was Terry. So he called her and said, "I've got this opportunity. What do you think I should do?" And she said, "Well, have you seen the original series?" And he's like, "Well, not really." And she's like, "Well, you're at Paramount. Why don't you sit down and watch it?" So he you know, and it wasn't on tape or DVDs or streaming. So he went in the screening room and watched almost all the original series. And when you know he decided, "Oh my God, Khan, this is what a perfect idea for a sequel." But he would sound – he would put things in, and the and the publicity person at Paramount then was a guy named Eddie Egan, and they developed that. And, and they would come and not tease stuff, but they would like get their opinions from people reading what people were writing back and forth. But this thing came on paper once a month. You know, like you would get exhausted writing your two-page letter, mm-hmm. talking back to people, you know, answering points or ringing up a new point, and then people would answer you. And uh, that went on for 15 years, and of course the internet made it obsolete after a while. But it was just that's again that's what you know people were they were inventing a message board, <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. you know, and because and and letter to letter was just not enough. We had to have like a grid, you know. We needed we needed point to point to point, you know, back and forth letters weren't weren't enough anymore. And I just remember being exhausted because I would put all this effort into writing my letter and answering people back and raising some points of my own. And then I feel like I just didn't, oh my God, here's the new Interstat. Now I've got to like start all over. Do another one. <laughs> which, which, which is hysterical to me now because like we burn so much energy. You're like, you know, how much, you know, how old do last week's tweets look? You know, <laughs> really. Basically. Anyway, really but again, again, that was another case of, I say Star Trek invented the internet with paper and stamps, but yeah. that's what I mean. Nothing like that had existed before. And people had done like, you know, newsletters as a fan club but that was taking it to a whole different you know of which there were a lot but that was taking it to a whole different level yeah 
I think I B Joe talked a lot about like the letter writing campaigns and, and just some other stuff. I think um, you know doing selling the first Star Trek merchandise and all that. Um, mm-hmm. And I care. It might have been the Women at Warp interview that they did with her where she was talking about that and it was just you know very similar story and just you know the the technology that we didn't have and the fact that you know people went to these conventions like you would go to facebook like that's that's you had to go physically to this convention just to see other star trek fans you know forget about really keeping in touch with people um, yeah, they would someone send letters back and forth and, and be pen pals. But a lot of times you would just, you would go, you would see these people talk to them and then, you know, another, the next year you go. Um, yeah. Yeah. Well, see, that's interesting because I mean, yeah, your world would explode because yeah. you were, you would be stuck in your little world, whether it was New York or Oklahoma or Kentucky or wherever you were and think, well, I've, you know, and then you'd get to college and maybe you would, oh my God, I found eight more people like me, you know, and oh, we've got a club now or something, but that's what the that's what the thunderclap of the first Trek convention in New York was about. They thought they'd have yeah. 500 and they got 3000 and yeah. people were like, oh, my God, who knew? And that's it took the fandom to make the guys who needed money to bring Star Trek back. And when the tech manual sold, was the number one book, the no, no, number one nonfiction on New York Times for 16 yeah. weeks, <laughs> that's when people went, oh, my God, it's not just these goofy kids running around with pointed ears. There's money to be made here. And so that means respect. And then, you know, it's all off and running from there. But I think it's B. Joe that said when they were first starting Lincoln Enterprises, you know, Roddenberry.com now, they would sell it if it was flat. Yeah. But she had some funny little phrase for that. Yes. If we could stick it in the flat envelope and mail it, then we would. You know, so everything had to be, you know, flat like that. But um, yeah, Yeah. yeah. I remember her mentioning that in that interview specifically. (laughs) (laughs) Well, hey, Larry, getting back around to, the the convention uh, are you going to be doing your table in the vendors room again this year well that's the plan i'm not sure exactly what uh program type things are going on uh we've got the tour and uh i have a couple of things that are going to be new that i can't talk about yet because they're hopefully going to happen here by june or so but you know i'll be there i i mean the first years i went we went because we were covering it for you know communicator and and all the, you know, I, I covered them. And then, and then we had the fan club table and we, you know, communicator and all of that. And then Star Trek.com, we started doing events. And then when all of that blew up and uh, Star Trek.com was shut down for four years on the old model. And I told Adam and Gary that I would come in and do the kind of the trivia thing that we used to do. We had done for a while. And so I did that. And then ever since then, we've just had a thing where they, You've given me a table and I'll do some panels and programming or whatever. And then, you know, since I started working on the Con of Wrath, I like I do anywhere I go, I have a my live two hour meetup. This may be the last year, because uh, we're trying to get Con of Wrath wrapped up this year, my documentary, where I do a two hour show at night where people can it's a crowdfunder. They can do their twenty dollars for a screen credit or more, but we also make an event out of it. So I have I have you know, rare Trek video and I have that you won't see anywhere else. And I have sneak peeks from, you know, George and Walter and Har Bennett, the late great Har Bennett and, and Nichelle and and Wendy Doohan, Jimmy's widow and people from that. And then we do some trivia prizes. So that's kind of an event. And um, so, yeah, it's the la- again, the Vegas keeps evolving and it's not as simple on some levels as it was. And, you know, CBS has gotten much more involved. That's the other end of the Comic-Conification yeah, which it's good there. But I mean, on one hand, building up 
we get snarky and we get, you know, anti-purist and are purist about it maybe. And people will say, oh, I remember the old days when you could buy anything in dealer's room and people would hand make stuff and sell it. And, you know, they've, they've come in with licensing to protect that. And some people decry that and miss the old days. But on the other hand, we sit and moan about how you walk in your Target and Walmart and here's all the Star Wars stuff. Where's the Star Trek action figures, you know, and there's building blocks behind all of that kind of thing. And so, you know, kudos to to John and Bill and everybody at CBS for taking more active role on the panels and getting more of the licensees to come in and talk about their products yeah. on the panels, you know, as well as the authors. And and we have, you know, STO and all kinds of things to 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 lend that to and, and Rod and everything with Roddenberry.com. So, yeah. Um, so anyway, so yeah, it's gotten more sophisticated and complex that way, but, uh, but I will be there. Well, probably with more than one hat on for sure. <laughs> um, As always. Like I said, it's, it's, yeah, well, yeah. I mean, now, now it's like this battle scarred thing when you say, people say, are you going to be at Vegas? And I go, I've been to every one, but it's, it's like, oh, well, they've only been around for two or three, four years. So it's not that big a deal, but I, I've always been there either to cover them or, you know, booth table or right. represent or whatever. So every once in a while, I'll put a throwback. I did for George's birthday. I did a throwback Thursday and George's, uh, George Decay's birthday when I was in my McCoy dress uniform and yeah. like the first convention I saw him at where he's signing. It wasn't even a photo. He was signing like an article in Enterprise Incidents or Trek Magazine or something. But yeah, I have all that. I have all that cred back there. <laughs> but that, um, that, that's why the moments when I can be, I have a little fanboy moment anymore. I mean, I enjoy all of this. And if it wasn't some passion still in it, it wouldn't be fun at all. But I, I feel like I've got these missions to do now and like, what's the best, what's my skills and gifts. And so everything from, you know, editing the magazines and writing the books to doing portal 47 and doing Connor wrath documentary and all of that, it's kind of down this thing. And like everything we've talked about here so far is kind of reflecting what I hope that I can take my years in the, in the fire and pass it on, you know, or <laughs> flag people and say, Hey, go see this person. Or, you know, Let's get this person out here. Guys. Ooh, I know you just jumped in the, I know you just jumped in the boat, but uh, don't let this go by. You will be able to do this in five years, you know, kind of. So, well, I know you have a lot of fans yourself, Larry, and a lot of people hear that. So I think so far you're succeeding. Yes. Well, I mean, that's, it's, it's been very gratifying with the portal, even though it's kind of a closed community. I've set it up as a business, but hopefully a very valued, you know, win-win for everybody. And, um, but when I have people say, oh my God, I had no idea, or oh my God, that's a great story, or oh my God, I had no idea this existed. That's kind of, because uh, I, I fall into traps sometimes. So I'll, I'll see something go by and I'll go, oh, this is news. And then I'm like, oh wait, Larry, that was, that was like from 99 and it's been, you know, or that was from 2005 or that was, you know, much less like the eighties or something. And, uh, oh, okay. There's lots of, you know, so, and in fact, this is sometimes mid say, well, I'll go. One of the things I wanted to do last year, and maybe I'll save it for this year in some way venue at, at Vegas, you, you talked about the newer fans and, and them having respect. And one thing I always, I was kidding when I said, it, 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 you know, I would have yelled, <laughs> but that's one thing that we have to remember is that I, my eyes were opened that first year when I saw how many, JJ fans were there and soaking it up and they'd found their way there and, and were, you know, diving back into all, and it was easier, it was easier and easier every year to do that, to dive back into all the existing series and all the prime canon. But 
to not disrespect those people because even though I had one guy at Phoenix Comic Con, one guy at the back of the room go, yeah, 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 I, I came to fandom through the JJ movies and then I watched everything else and now I hate the JJ movies. <laughs> but, even, but see, but that was, a, you know, people all come to a different place, but everybody, I, the, I always say, everybody always has their first. You always love your first, right? You never forget your first, <laughs> you know, whatever, whatever, you know, whatever meaning you want to attach to that. And Star Trek is that way. And you were talking about enjoying, you know, you couldn't get into Voyager, but Enterprise you feel like is your first, but it was like the last uh, yeah. first run that you got to the only one that you got to see. And, you know, people, wherever they came, and I always do a, a hands up poll at the beginning of all my talks, if I can, about this, just to see where the room is. And sometimes judging by the convention or the event, it's pretty easy to see, you know, where the generations are. But um, I want to do a thing sometime just for the, I wanted to call it just for JJs and talk to JJ fans to see, are they just JJ movie fans? If they if they see, the other thing is a lot of times we look at a convention audience, a Trek convention, even this totally all Trek convention audience and assume that's all fandom. And it's not. That's the people who either have the money or the time or the knowledge to get to it, right? There's tons of what I always call armchair fans sitting out there watching themselves. They're, they're, maybe they read books and comics or they buy an action figure or they're married. Maybe they have kids. They're showing it to their kids. And they're not going to conventions, but they're still fans, and they're like the great People would love to hear from them. I know CBS would love to hear from them. Uh, you know, but but they're buying products and they're they're enjoying Star Trek in their own circles in their own way. And either they don't know or they don't care or whatever. And and a lot of those people were, I would talk to people who were, I talked to one guy. I told this story before somewhere, it uh, last year. No, it was the it was 2015 even. Who had he was a guy in his 50s, 60s. You know, had a gray grizzled beard, whatever, and a nice guy. And I said, wow, is this your – are you just now a fan? He goes, no, no, I've been a fan since the 60s. You know, I watched uh, NBC. And I said, oh, so how many have you – is this your first Vegas? And he goes, this is my first convention, period. Mm -hmm. And I said, wow, what what happened? He said it was um, it was Leonard's passing. Yeah. It's like <sighs> I've, I've been a fan for 49 years, and it took Leonard – it's like, my God, they're not all going to be around – much longer. I need to go see, I need to go to conventions and see what yeah. this is. So, you know, there's those kind of stories and experiences I just love, but, but back to the JJ kids, kids, I, I would just love to get them do a, you know, do a talk show kind of thing or a forum kind of thing and ask them how much other have they explored? Do they still enjoy the JJ's first? What do they feel from the main? Do they feel like they're this offshoot branch that's not getting respected? Do they even feel like they have an identity separate from I would love to talk to them because I feel like we – for a while I was worried about this. Now with Discovery coming and I think there's so much just everything – not chaos, but there's so many there's so many threads going right now. I don't know that it's it's so much this, but I would love to talk to them to see if they feel like they've been maligned or forgotten about or or whatever. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so many of them are younger. I don't even know if they've found their way to – conventions because you have to be old enough to be able to unless you're a kid with parents who's yeah. going you have to be old enough to have a job or you know yes. inherit your family fortune but you have to be old yes. enough to have a job to be mobile enough to go to vegas or go to a major convention so 
Yeah, I, I think the only person I think of off the top of my head is our friend Gerardo, uh, who who got into Star Trek because of the JJ movies and and then really delved into all of Star Trek, mm-hmm. um, and you know has has made his way to the convention and he's he would be a great person for you to talk to. Um, so we might make that happen in Vegas, but it's a really interesting subject. Um, and and I would totally listen or you know watch a panel. Yeah talking to well them. i again i would love to get talk to either either a panel or me on stage and just have people from the audience yeah. talk from the audience and talk back and forth because i love those kind because the one thing i never want to do and the thing that i always love kind of like i kind of smile when it happens is catch myself in a rut because mm-hmm. i think we all do that and yeah. i think the younger fans do more because they haven't been through too many rut cycles <laughs> <laughs> i just invented that but you know what i mean it's like don't assume that, and I don't mean don't assume that you know everything, but don't assume that because this is the way it's always felt. That this is like we have these trends. It's like I always say that people always look at the news, whatever the next series is going to be, they always bring the baggage from the last series and they don't yeah. realize that it would be different people, a different era. 10 years of the world have gone by, 10 years of, you know, or whatever it's been, 20 years have gone by, 10 years have gone by. And they always bring the old into the new with that filter. Until, you know, it's like, no, no, guys, look, they're going to they're going to write the stories like this. It's going to it's going to be 13 episodes. No, no, guys, this is going to be a movie only frame. It's Kirk Spock McCoy, but these are movie actors. Yeah, they don't they're not promoting a series to get renewed. They don't they'll promote this in all the movie ways and then they'll go off to another movie. And the last thing they're going to do is go to a million conventions because they don't want to look old and decrepit like they don't have a career (laughs) anymore. because that's what movie people think until they're retired. Unless they're doing it for a good reason or a personal reason, or they're very, very comfortable in their skin about it. But you know what I'm saying? It's yep. like all the, and that's what, that's what also the last 10 years or so, I guess I've found that I can help calm the waters or maybe connect dots for people that may not have thought to connect those dots before. But anyway, I, anytime I can kick myself out of a rut, that's it. And a, and a year or so ago, I started, I started wondering if those JJ fans are out there, are they even a thing yet to even be insulted or feel ignored yet you know but I, I was just curious about it so yeah i would love to do that sometime yeah. and uh, and see and heaven knows what's gonna happen you know with discovery is you know hot stuff or if it's in eh, or if it yeah. ends on the less moon administration at cbs <laughs> or what happens with it uh-huh. there will be a reaction and there'll be you know fandom will be in a way about it one way or the other so hopefully yeah. it'll all be awesome awesome and you know that. That's my hope. I just try to be optimistic. Yep. Me too. Me too. Yeah. yeah. So Larry, uh, now we're getting kind of close to um, the end of our time together this time, but I'm sure you'll be back again. But, you know, I want to I want to just quickly mention the Geek Nation Tour again as we're getting towards the end here. So um, uh, GeekNationTours.com, LarryNemechek.com. The tour leaves from the Rio Hotel on August 1st. Mm-hmm. And as Larry said, seats are limited. So if you are interested in this tour, uh, jump on it and get out there and get your ticket as soon as possible. How fast does this thing usually sell out, Larry? It's well, we've never had a sellout, but it's the last couple of years. It's gotten close to that. Actually, I take that back last year. The years we have the big tour, all the people on the tour already, it's part of their big tour. And then we have the one day people. And last year, I think we were sold out. So. Um, I don't know if it'll happen that close, but it's a good good bet if you're interested. You know, yeah, definitely. And tickets are on sale now, right? So we can we can go out yes, and immediately and purchase them. 
Totally, totally, yes. Excellent, excellent. And uh, how about you know? I you you briefly, briefly mentioned Portal Forty Seven. Let's let's get a little bit more information about that out there in case anybody who's listening to this isn't familiar and doesn't know what what they can yeah. get for from Portal Forty Seven. Well, Portal Forty Seven. I hope everybody knows the the Forty Seven of Star Trek. It's the most. It's it actually didn't start with Star Trek, but Joe Manoski brought it to Star Trek from Pomona College. But you know, Forty Seven is the most common random number in the universe. <laughs> and thanks to Joe and it being very infectious, it spread to all parts of Star Trek over the years. There's 47s in dialogue and graphics, including the JJ movies, all through Star Trek. But um, so when I, I I had years of especially when we were wandering in the wilderness here after Enterprise went down and everything kind of blew up. And uh, I didn't know whether to keep going with Star Trek in myself or not. And I had people say, no, you know, too many people and, you know, you have too much stuff and you have too much stuff in your head. You should do something with that. And the world is going to entrepreneurs and all that. So mm-hmm. it took a while to get my bearings, but Portal 47 is kind of A, my way of putting all that together and B, what I've been talking about here, you know, sharing and maybe looking at things in a different way and connecting dots. And most of all, just we talk about the deep divers, just when you're ready to go to a deeper level of Star Trek and more insight and more, you know, not just trivia factoids, but just getting a vibe for how, you know, how do TV shows and movies, how are they put together? How was Trek put together? Who are the people behind the names? You know, what's some cool stuff you're not going to see on a convention stage or even in a, you know, in a magazine or or even on a podcast. Um, And a lot of the people from the Rolodex of Star Trek that, that I knew bringing them out. And um, that's what, so Portal 47 is this monthly package every month. We say it's your insider access to more in-depth Trek, and we go where no savvy fan has gone before, like a mini-con all year long, no matter where you are. Mm-hmm. You mentioned growing up in Kentucky, one of my biggest booster members now. He's he's not going to be going to a big convention anytime soon. He's in eastern Kentucky, and and Brandon is um, yeah. is awesome about helping me. He promotes all the time online, but uh, – yeah. uh, so it's and I, just the other day, somebody was thanking me for something that like we have a, a members only Facebook page and they were talking about something kind of controversial. And somebody said, Larry, thanks for having this space. I feel like I know everybody in the portal and I would never talk about this even on a Trek board out in the open oh, wow. this mm-hmm. way. Well, I was like, Benefit. oh, OK. So, yeah, nice, nice thing. So there's there's eight features every month. It's the cost. It's twenty seven dollars a month. It's the cost of two movie, movie tickets a month, you know. And there's eight pieces, and the highlights are the two telebriefings we have once with me and one with a guest, and the recordings. You get the recordings, and there's all kinds of other pieces. So portal47.net. So and one one thing I also want to ask you about really quick before we close up and that we've had a lot of interest. After Bonnie's episode aired uh, not long ago, we had a lot of people on our unofficial Facebook group uh, asking questions about the Con of Wrath, and, and we wanted <laughs> to know if you would be willing to come back I know you're doing a documentary on it, but if you'd be willing to come back and, and give us some some interesting tidbits about it, maybe answer some uh, questions from our community about. Oh, sure. Yeah. If you have specific questions, that would keep me from rambling. So, sure. Yeah. Well, <laughs> actually, maybe not. But if you have some really strong guardrails, maybe so. <laughs> all right. So, um, well, we talked a lot about. Larry and where where people can find all of your your various things online but why don't we get one quick rundown again of where people can find all things Larry Nemechek on the internet right well LarryNemechek.com is a good one and my site just we just refurbished it uh like right at the holidays so it's all brand new and sparkly uh so everything is there but there is a portal47.net you can go right to there and there's a conofrath.com page and then my Facebook is Larry Nemechek's Trekland 
and there's there's a Facebook page for Connor Rath and for Portal 47 too. And also my Trekland trunk, which is where I've got draft scripts and set plans and things and some old retail things. And I put them out after we moved. I realized I had way too much stuff stuck back. So I'm, <laughs> I'm scanning and photographing everything and then getting it into good homes. So that's the Trekland trunk. That's just on, on um, Facebook and it'll take it to either eBay or, or if we have, sometimes we have a live event on Facebook and then my Twitter is um, just at Larry Nemechek, and politics gets mixed in there too also as well as Sooner Football and Will Rogers. Uh, but it's, I try to make it mostly Trek these days. And uh, I just started an Instagram – an Instagram is Larry Nemechek's Trekland too, which is you know mainly pretty pictures. But oh, there you go. <laughs> cool. So lots of Larry out there on the web for you. Oh, that's scary. <laughs> I was going to say if, if you've enjoyed this, then you know what you should do. You know what Portal 7 is like. If if you've run screaming from the room and thrown your your mobile device in the water, then uh, maybe Portal Forty Seven is not for you. Well, Larry, <laughs> I'm just I'm just kidding. <laughs> thank you as always uh, for being on Shore Leave. We we love talking to you. It's always a heck of a lot of fun, and we're looking forward to talking about the Con of Wrath here in the near future. Okay, I do. And you guys, this is so cool to have a a convention. I mean, you're you've found a good niche to fall into here. There was a need and. Uh, and and not only the here and now, but getting people like Bonnie, and uh, you know, you should you should dig around and find some of those. Yeah, if you could find some of those original New York convention people, they're out there. I've talked to a couple of them the last couple of years. I, I might enlist your help a little, but th- yeah, I mean, I'm trying to get B Joe as soon as we can get her Skype set up, because uh, uh, right. I just I'd love to hear from her too. So awesome. Yeah, we're getting we we have um, Steve Lance also lined up who's uh, a.k.a. Heesh, the host from the early New York convention. So he'll be around. Blew me away. Yeah. I did not know any of the history to that, but I had the little 45 record that he did his comedy thing Isn't on. Isn't it amazing? Because how much, how much stuff could you find that was Star Trek on, you know, recorded then? Yeah. And uh, when, I, when I read that, I went, oh, my God, this is the Heesh guy. The four, I have to dig that out. Yeah. I hope yeah. I still have it. Phenomenal. So he'll be around. Maybe we can get Good you guys on, your- on the same time. So. <laughs> that would be scary. The Oki and the New Yorker. That would be scary. <laughs> so guys, keep your eyes out for that. So um, as we're closing up, Heather Barker, where can people find you online? Uh, I have a new Twitter handle. I am LLA Posper on Twitter and on Instagram. And then I admin the unofficial Star Trek Las Vegas convention group on Facebook. And mm-hmm, you can mm-hmm. find me there. And what about you, Jeff? Oh, I'm also at that same unofficial Star Trek Las Vegas Facebook page, but it's been a, a, a Twitter revolution. I think mean, <laughs> everybody's changed their Twitter names and the show has actually changed its Twitter name. So I am now Warp Factor Jeff on Twitter. Uh, that's my personal Twitter, but you can also find us at Tricorder Show at, on Twitter as well as at Shore Leave, as always, and our brand new show, uh, Trek Ranks, which just debuted last week. Uh, that's also at Trek Ranks on Twitter. And we're also on Facebook at the Tricorder Transmissions, as well as our own website, the TricorderTransmissions.com. So tons and tons of ways. We don't have an Instagram yet. I, I guess we should <laughs> probably get one of those. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, we don't have one. We also have a YouTube channel and all kinds of stuff you can get to from our actual website. So, uh, you know, feel free to visit that anytime. And um, well, I guess we'll be back. And in the very near future, we have a lot more stuff planned for surely between now and the Star Trek Las Vegas convention. I think we have many more episodes planned than there are months between now <laughs> yeah. and the convention. I think we've got 
only three months to go, but I think we have at least five episodes worth of content that's going to be coming out. Can't you just like emit an inverse tachyon pulse through the main deflector and squeeze them all in or something? <laughs> oh yeah, we're gonna have to do that. But um, I think we we're gonna have our t- our our vendor room episodes coming up here in the yeah. near future as we're getting close. So all of our friends are gonna be coming back to do the vendor stuff and more cons of your stuff. And I mean, all, Heather's got a great roadmap planned out for all of you guys. So uh, yeah, keep your eyes. Sounds awesome. Yeah, yeah. sounds incredible. All right. Well, yeah. Yes. Yeah. We'll all be together. And Larry, we're going to do a live shore leave recording at the convention. So we'd love to get some, uh, some time with you as oh. well. If you can squeeze us in, I would definitely love to. Oh, you know what? I should say real quick that I'm coming up. I don't have any Memorial day cons planned, but I will be at sooner con in Oklahoma city back home and at uh, comic con at, um, yeah, at, at San Diego Comic-Con in some some way, if nothing else, at least an autograph table for a couple of days. And the Modesto Comic-Con in Modesto mm. in uh, July before – yeah, before San Diego. So that's coming up quickly. And then we're – I'm doing the library tour in Michigan again around Detroit in mid-August. So that's happening too. So if anybody's out in the hinterlands, out and about, then um, – yeah, Modesto Con is July 7th to 9th, like two weeks ahead of San Diego. And mm-hmm. Sooner Con in Oklahoma City is June 23rd, 25th. So there you go for anybody's out that way and didn't know already. Excellent. And of course, Vegas. Yeah. Anyway, thanks again, guys. Of course. Yeah. Thanks so much for being here. Hi there. Thanks again for listening. If you're cruising the galaxy looking for even more Trek talk, why not visit our good friends Bill and Dan over at TrekGeeks.com? They've got a great podcast that covers a wide range of Star Trek topics, so you're sure to find something you'll love. And if you're in the mood for some awesome tunes, then you really need to head over to 5yearmission.net. The guys are writing a song for every episode of the original series, and each one is absolutely brilliant. So that's TrekGeeks.com and 5yearmission.net. Check them out today.